0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. Today's show is brought to you by Central, commercial carpenters and supporters of our conversation. Enjoy the show. So before we dig into everything you had to say on opportunity zones, could you just, from a big picture, give people the 30,000 foot view of what an opportunity zone is?
1: Yeah. So, so federal opportunity zones came about in, um, and I'm on the spot here. I, I, I believe it was also the tax cuts and jobs act. So 2017, essentially what they were designed to do was to spur business investment, long-term business investment in um, underserved, underdeveloped, underprivileged areas. So Uh, The original intent of it was to uh, incentivize someone who was going to open a bakery to open it in the neighborhood that uh, traditionally you wouldn't open a bakery in, right? And instead of opening the bakery, you know, in the best part of town, it was to spur investment in the worst part of town. That piece of the OZ regs never really took off. Um, real estate guys got involved and were like, hey, real estate's a business. Why can't you know, you know, why can't we use this for real estate? And the the ruling from the uh, from the IRS was you can use it for real estate. So now opportunity zones have become a real estate thing. And originally they were intended to be an operating business thing. Hey, I'm gonna open my barbershop, I'm gonna open it in the underprivileged neighborhood, commit to it for 10 years, and the government's gonna give me certain tax benefits for doing that. What it's turned into is, I'm going to build an apartment building. I'm going to build it in the underprivileged neighborhood, and the government's going to give me 10 years of tax benefits for doing that. So the way the OZs work um, is very similar to the 1031s, just with a lot of um, a lot less restrictions around them. Um, so the the real simple way to look at it is, you build, uh, buy or build a a real estate asset in one of the federal opportunity zones. There's 8,764 zones in the United States. Some of those are getting tweaked right now under current legislation um, that's bipartisan, so actually very likely will will succeed. It's one of the few bright spots in kind of Congress right now. So you build something or buy something in one of those zones, um, and as long as you double your basis. so So you're basically, if you buy something for a million, you've got to put at least a million into it. Um, so it works really well for new development and it works really well for heavy, heavy value add, say a mill conversion or something like that. Doesn't work really well for just buying a property and changing out the kitchens because if you buy a $10 million property,
0: you gotta put 10 million in You gotta put 10 million and, into it. Right. So, so it works for it
1: works for brand new development or like super, super heavy, like adaptive reuse and stuff like that. You build you, you build the the building. Uh let's just focus on new development. That's what we do. So you build the building. You double your basis, which is a given. You do that with deferred, deferred capital gains. So you take gains that we've had a previous project, you defer them, you invest those gains in this project, dollar for dollar. It doesn't need to physically be the same dollars. They don't need to be held in escrow. Like that's how 1031s work, right? Like a custodian holds it, not at all. You know, it just goes by what are the numbers on your tax return. If, if my tax return says that I had a million dollars in gain last year, and I start a new project in an opportunity zone and invest a million dollars in it? Those are the dollars, right? The IRS, it's, it's fungible, right? It just says, it just matches the number.
0: Can I ask you this? What if someone is starting from scratch and they don't have-
1: They wouldn't be qualified.
0: So you yeah. have this to This have... is about
1: deferral of gain. It's Got about it. deferral of gain. Um, you can invest non-qualified dollars in a deal. We have deals that have non-qualified OZ dollars. And those, those investors just don't get the benefit of it. Still a real estate investment.
0: They just don't get the tax benefit. Don't get the tax benefit.
1: So the tax benefits are twofold. In year seven, the uh, or in year five, some of these dates were hard coded. So it's a little nebulous, right? The law, instead of running kind of triggers of of six years from now, five years from now, they actually hard coded some dates. So it it, while in the original. law, it was year seven. Now it's like year three or something, right? Because it, it, it's a hard-coded date. So, but you reach a point where I believe in year five, um, you you've held it for, for, um, you've held it, or year seven, you've held it for uh, for seven years. You've operated the property. It's a normal property. You're, you're getting the cash flow. You've refinanced it. All the normal things, right? There's no difference in how you operate the property. Um, you get a, a discount on your uh, the taxes that were due from the original gain you deferred. So, say you deferred a million dollars in gain, and you would have owned, and you would have owed, uh, you know, a fifteen percent capital gains rate on that. So, you would have owed one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the Fed. To the Feds, they're going to discount that by ten uh, percent. You now get to year year ten, and in year ten, you can sell the property, do whatever you want with the property. You can sell the property. And exactly like a 1031, you get a step up in basis to the current value. So that's the big enchilada in Opportunity Zones is you hold it and operate it for 10 years and it's federal income tax-free, all the profit, not the cash flow. You've been paying taxes on the cash flow every year. your operating income. So if the building spins off $100,000 a year, you're paying taxes on that every year in your tax return. But in year 10, when you go sell the building that you paid a million for and now you sell it for $5 million, that $4 million gain is 100% tax-free at the federal level
0: and you're not paying the taxes on the prior deal because you're, you're, you paid it, you paid a discount, Discount? you paid a discount. Does that discount eventually go to zero after so many years or no, it's just,
1: it's a discount. It's 15% discount. Okay. And it's two stepped. It steps it with a 10% discount and an additional 5% discount. And then you get the big, you get the big knot at the end where the whole thing's tax free. you still pay state taxes. Some states have aligned, um, like 13 or 14 states, um, have aligned their, Um, tax code with the OZs. So if you're in an OZ in Florida, for instance, Florida doesn't have an income tax, bad example, but um, it's a bunch of red states have aligned their tax code with the feds so that if you're doing an OZ deal and you're avoiding the federal uh, capital gains tax, you avoid the states as well. Massachusetts is not one of them. So in our Massachusetts deals, we'll owe, you know, barring on a future alignment with the tax code, we'll owe, you know, the Massachusetts rate.
0: So Massachusetts is one of the few red states that didn't, uh, adopt that
1: that's <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since massachusetts has been a red state i was trying to think who our last republican congressman was in massachusetts i think like peter Torkeldsen or something maybe like 20 years ago yeah we do we have we're always very balanced in massachusetts
0: yes it seems like it's a great it's a great opportunity if you have that um
1: Good use of opportunity. Yeah, no, look, um, it's been interesting. So we were very early movers. We had a whole bunch of sites because our, our, for those that don't know us, our, our business has revolved significantly around gateway cities, urban gateway cities in Eastern Massachusetts, which most of them are, have significant opportunity zones, Lynn, Haverhill, Lowell, Beverly. Um, you know, this is, this is really common. So, um, we've actually found, we've done a significant number of these deals. And, you know, a, a lot of people misunderstand them. A lot of investors misunderstand them. We still see investors modeling these deals out financially and not accounting for the the tax benefit. So they're looking at the deal pre-tax. And we're like, no, the whole point is to look at it net of taxes, right? Like that's yeah. what drives the whole investors deal. Investors are doing
0: that? Because yeah. even I knew right. yeah. that no, much. No, no, well. we, okay. we, wow. we
1: still do. So, so or, or like guys will underwrite it based on a, on a regular merchant build kind of pro forma. And the reality is you have to take into account those tax benefits. They're significant. You know, there is some caution. I think people were a little rabid at times that it, the OZ deals were going to make bad deals good. They don't. Um, they make good deals better. Um, if you look at the stuff that we've done, like Sedna and Beverly is a showpiece. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's legacy real estate. It's waterfront. It's a really nice product. That's an OZ. Um, so, you know, it's not, an example of where the opportunity zone took like a really lousy piece of dirt that would never get developed and made it viable. It just made it more viable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's interesting how they chose what they chose. I'm sure those politics involved. Yeah. There was a hundred
1: percent politics involved. So the way they were chosen is the feds uh, gave it to the governors and they said, Hey, each governor can pick X number of X number of zones. The governors then typically either picked the zones or put a commission together to pick the zones. But in any event they were chosen by the states they went back to Treasury. Treasury then approved the zones. Most of them were good. Some of them were, um, you know, frankly, never should have been opportunity zones. And that's some of what the legislation is going to fix. It's going to take out some of these, you know, you know, it'll take out the OZ plot that's in downtown Beverly Hills, and 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 it'll right, you know, but it is a balance because you can't have them all in absolutely horrific places, right? Because it doesn't it doesn't fix everything. So if you have if you have you know, a piece then, it's,
0: a, then but, it's never it's not even an opportunity zone. It's a it's a right, no no right, go. Right. No and the problem
1: zone. is there's there's a certain school of thought that says make those the opportunity zones. It'll spur investment. The reality is it still won't spur investment there, right? It's not enough to spur investment. So you do kind of they kind of need to be the tweener sites that are good enough and in neighborhoods good enough to support the development, but they're just not quite top tier attractive to the developers. This will bring those over the top and people will do them. Yeah. And what's
0: interesting is I, I wouldn't be surprised if the desired result of the original intent happens just in a different way, right? So you wanted the business to go in there and the business is like, I can't go in there because I'm not going to be profitable. But the real estate folks said, hey, we can go in there and make this work. And that gets the neighborhood going. And then the barbershop does want to go in and the grocery store does want to go in because uh, real estate spurred the- Right, which I I
1: think is the reasoning behind their original, because you look at the original regs, it doesn't mention real estate at all. Um, but it, you know, real estate is allowed. And I think that's probably what was behind treasury, you know, basically giving that ruling and saying, yeah, this is, this does meet the intent. This is going to spur investment. This is going to bring, you know, higher incomes into the inner city. It is, it is going to accomplish the goals of the program. It's really good. We, we love it. We have, um, we've got a couple deals that are done and in their hold period. We've got a uh, two or three deals right now that are in some stage of late underwriting that are rosy deals. We, we really like it. Not a ton of people are active in the space. It can be challenging to raise capital because it's a, um, it can be a challenging program to explain to folks. And frankly, it's, it's, it's really good law in that it's not very restrictive. And I think there's some people that are nervous about that and they are be like, well, it's too good to be true. It, it kind of is in some ways. It's a really good program. Um, and, and people can be nervous about that a little bit, but it's highly effective for investors.
0: If someone, let's say someone was a smaller developer, not to get into in the weeds here on you, but if someone was a smaller developer and they had a gain on a property, if they put that into your yep. deal, would they be able to get the tax benefits? They would, okay.
1: they, they would yeah. So um, that and that um, changed. So, so it, they originally know and then they made some tweaks to the program that allowed what they called a fund of funds. So the way it was originally structured, it was it was they, they defined the kind of the organizational tree of the entities and the investment stack so narrowly that it made it challenging to bring multiple funds into it. So everyone was either in from the beginning, it made it hard to bring someone in along the way, they fixed all that now. So essentially now it can work just like a regular real estate deal. Um, I can take money from individual investors that have capital gains, say we have investors that have, uh, they're not real estate guys and they have gains off of their Apple stock or gains off of their, you know, Salesforce stock, any capital gain, capital gain for capital gain. So they can take that, guys that popped out at the peak of the market and said, Hey, I got $500,000 in gains. What can I do with it? I can defer it into an OZ project. And then we have other developers that say, Hey, we've got captive gains. We don't have a project. You know, they're already in our, what we call a QAF, a qualified, qualified opportunity fund. Can we push these into your project? And now you're allowed to do that as well.
0: And that's great, right? Because like if, if you're, you had, you sold some property and you don't have the next deal, you don't like the climate, yep. you slide it into that fund. Yep. Then when you get it back out of the fund, you can put it in 10 years from now and say, oh, I do like this deal. Yep. And wow, wow, I'm shocked they give you that much flexibility. It's a ton
1: of, it's a ton of flexibility. And it, it works. Okay.